Leaves the pocket wide open over the middle is Jamar Chase, who's in for the touchdown. A 28-yard scoring strike from Burrow to Chase. Bengals on the board first. Burrow pump fakes to the right. Back corner of the end zone. Wide open Hayden Hurst. 15 yards for the touchdown. Two receiving targets wide open for scores on each of Cincinnati's first two drives. Allen takes the snap, pump fakes to his left, comes back to the right, as Shakir open at the nine, forced out of bounds at the four yard line by Jesse Bates, it's first and goal, Buffalo. Allen gonna try to surge over the left side, and he's in for the touchdown. And there's some extracurricular after the play as well. Allen is heated as Jesse Bates tried to strip the ball after he was already in the end zone. This season, they lose a convincing decision here at home by a final of 27 to 10. We will have a rematch in the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs, won in overtime by the Bengals last year, 27-24, to advance to the Super Bowl. All right, that is your Toshiba Game Rewind. Toshiba, the official copier company of the Buffalo Bills, here on a Buffalo Football Monday. And it's a sad one, as Buffalo season has come to an unceremonious end in the divisional round for the second straight season by a final of 27-10, to 10, as the Bills fall to the Bengals. And truthfully, we're never really in it. Uh, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you to talk you through it. Uh, we'll serve as therapists today if we need to. There's a lot to discuss. We're also going to have a lot of commentary coming out of the locker room today as it is locker clean-out day. We're going to hear from a number of players, including some prospective free agents. We'll get to that through the course of the next three hours and bring those interviews to you. Um, but in the meantime, it's you and us to discuss at 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board after what was a shockingly disappointing day and I, I don't know about you, Steve, but I thought Matt Milano's comments were the most eye-opening. Um, he just said he felt like there was no energy on the field, no juice. And I know for Bills fans, it's hard to imagine how could you be two wins away from the Super Bowl and not have any juice in a home playoff game with a raucous crowd. But I think if you stop and think about it, and I'm not making any excuses here, but you think about what this team had to plow their way through all season long. And I think they just got to a point where there was nothing left in the tank to give. And you wish they could have summoned it up for another week and play for another week and all of that. But they just had nothing. They were flat. They were making, I mean, the first two touchdowns, Steve are, come on blown coverages, mm -hmm. wide open players. You never see that in Buffalo secondary, um, at least not more than once in a quarter. And you saw it twice and they were in an early hole and all three phases. You hear coach McDermott talk all the time about complimentary football. They didn't have it in any of their three phases yesterday at all. It was, it was a hollow performance. Yeah, and I think it was highlighted by the fact that the Bengals, right or wrong, just or in, unjust, they were they used the that, that ticket thing about the 
neutral site championship game being sold by Kansas City and Buffalo. They used it to their advantage uh, to motivate themselves. They came out on fire, no question about it. The Bengals were manufactured anger out of that situation, and they used it to their benefit. But Buffalo didn't have anything like that to build on. Uh, certainly, the you know there was even conversations in Bills fans about you know what were they going to were they, they were they going to boo the Bengals when they came out and, and people were like I don't know I have a hard time booing them you know for the way the Demar Hamlin thing went in that Monday night game and the fact that there's no question the Bengals kind of got the short end of the stick in the aftermath of the decisions the league made about the scheduling and the seeding the Bengals did get um, the short end of the stick so it's kind of hard to boo them when they come out of the tunnel so it was all this. This, these conflicting emotions about this game and how, what it was going to mean. Certainly, uh, that was highlighted by the fact the Bengals came in um, unhappy and played like it. And the Bills couldn't match it or didn't match it. And, that's, and, and it showed, I think. You're right. I think that's what showed in the, in the way the game transpired. For, for Cincinnati, I said it on the air yesterday, it was an airtight performance. I, outside of a couple of false starts – and a delay of game that wasn't called at the goal line. Um, it was it was an airtight performance from start to finish. They put on a clinic yesterday, uh, and there's no way around it. Now, the Bills certainly aided them with them being unable to put up much resistance on the defensive side of the ball or to get anything going consistently on offense. They just nobody was nobody stepped up to give the team a spark. Not yeah, one the, person. The um, the fact that Bill scored, they scored on average like twenty nine or thirty points a game this during the season. Twenty, I think twenty nine points a game they averaged. They scored ten yesterday. They scored and over the, thirty in each of the last three coming up to this game. Uh, last four, and so they only scored ten points in the game. The Cincinnati Bengals averaged. 26 points a game coming in, and they scored 27. Um, the Bengals did not miss a beat because of the conditions, the playoff, the whatever, and Buffalo didn't match them on either side of the ball. They, the Bengals scored exactly what they usually score. The Bills couldn't make a dent in that, and, they couldn't, and the Bills couldn't score points. Uh, they couldn't make a dent in that. So, yeah, that, the Bengals – clearly played better at every turn yesterday than the Bills did. And, and, you know, as much as it hurts to say it, they deserve to win. The, uh, the comments from Coach McDermott, I thought, were pretty honest. He said they got beat at the line of scrimmage. They were, they were out-physicaled, to use his word, and they were. Uh, he also said they were out-coached, and he's right about that. Um, you know, the – the Bengals came in with the 29th-ranked rushed offense and played AFC North bully ball with the Bills, and they had nothing to give them in terms of resistance. That'll give you an idea of how much and why they spend so many much time thinking about this stuff in the NFL and in football in general, not just at this level but lower levels as well. A motivation counts a lot because of the physical toll it takes on your body and because of the you know, the discomfort of playing the game itself, banging into people and getting banged against and knocked down. You got to get up, um, you know, stepped on, you know, a knee here, a, a, a punch here, you know, whatever. You know, you get banged and it hurts. That's why being motivated to play well makes such a difference in the sport because you need that emotional impact to get through that and to decide that it's not going to matter today. 
the Bengals were right there. They did not care about anything except winning that game, and they were really highly motivated to take it to another team who, for whatever reason, they felt, you know, justified in doing so. Um, that means a lot. And if you're a team that comes in that can't doesn't have that in their tank, that can't match that that kind of attitude, you're going to look like the Bills did yesterday. Uh, particularly when you come in and there's another team like that and they have some early success like the Bengals did on both sides of the ball and it steamrolls. And then all of a sudden you it's a hole you, you really struggle to, yeah. to climb out of. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. Get your thoughts on this humbling defeat at the hands of the Bengals. And we lead off here with Chris in Cheektowaga. What do you got for us, Chris? You're on One Bills Live. Hi, thanks, guys. Um, yeah, very disappointing. Um, I I had a hard time waking up this morning uh, thinking about the loss. But I wanted to touch base uh, on the coaching, and I know it's been touched on pretty much all morning. But I, I think, I, I've think i always liked McDermott. I think uh, a lot of it is his fault why we get to even get to the divisional championship game. But I also wonder if is he the reason why we're being held back? And I'm also wondering, like, should we, like, do the offensive and defensive coordinators have to go? Do we need that much of a change? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always a slippery slope to go down. I, I don't believe that's the way you want to go here. Um, we already know that the roster, as is the case every year, is going to change 25 to 30% on average. That's about the league average. So there's going to be a lot of change there, and I think for the first time in the McDermott era, there's a chance that you're going to see foundational cornerstone-type players no longer on this roster. And knowing that, and knowing the seismic change that that could present going forward, do you want to change coordinators again? Because you just had two guys ascend to new coordinator positions this year. You want to, you want to spin the dial again? I don't know. Um, this team was 13-3 and three in the regular season with a myriad of injuries and every possible obstacle and piece of adversity you could think of thrown at them, and they were still a 13-3 and three football team in the regular season with one game scrapped. I don't think you hit the reset button necessarily on your coaching staff. I think you try to find ways to improve the roster so the execution is better out on the football field especially for those gotta-have-it moments in football games. Um, I don't know if you feel differently, Steve, but... No, I... <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I, you're right. They were 13-3, and three, and any time you've got a team that is so good that... And then there was vocal criticism throughout the season, and most of it that I remember had... And without... And unless it was a certain play here, a certain play... Like, you go back to the Minnesota game, and... You know, sure, Cam Lewis could have knocked that ball down and the game's over, or Josh Allen could might have fumbled the snap and gave him a touchdown. It could have, you know, all that stuff. Outside of that, most of the criticism that followed this team all season was style points about how bad they looked winning. Um, it was, it happened time and time again, even on our show, where you come in and say, "Wow, that was a horrible game. We only won by eight. Um, you know, it was that kind of thing. And anytime you got a franchise like that. You know, it's not it's not all bad. 
certainly you want your team to come out and dominate, and you saw them do that early in the season. They were knocking teams out of the park early and, and piling on, and that did not continue into the second half of the season after the bye week kind of thing. But they were still winning games. They were on an eight-game winning streak coming into last night's game, and clearly, once again, the, the criticism was that they didn't look good in all their victories or in any of them or whatever. Uh, so it's a slippery slope to say change coordinators because they didn't look good winning. I have a hard time getting there. I understand the I understand the process of of saying, hey, listen, you got guys out there who we've seen play extremely well and who aren't playing well now. Whose fault is it? Why isn't it happening? What what are the factors going in? A couple of the guys today, uh, some of the veteran players, and I you could feel it because it looked like that in the conversation Brownie and I just had. And I, I don't know, but it certainly looked like a team that ran out of gas. Um, from all the way back from the Jefferson Avenue shooting all the way through Kim Pagula, Luke Knox, two life-threatening and life-and-death struggles to two different storms, DeMar Hamlin uh, and all the rest. It was difficult, a difficult season. And as, a, as a, an entity in this com- community – as large and important as the Bills, they were expected to be involved in all of that. And they were a beacon through all of that. And they were something that people leaned on through all of that. And I think in this game yesterday, there's there's a chance that they were, weren't up to it um, emotionally. I know this, and we talked about it. They, now, they came back and won the next game against the Patriots, but it took two kickoff returns by Naheem Hines to do it. And the Patriots aren't good. Uh, they did beat... Uh, the Miami Dolphins last week with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Uh, it you know it took their best effort to do it. Uh, this is a team I think that was gutted by what happened on the Monday night game three weeks ago, and I don't know that they were ever the same. But still, uh, I'm still not a fan of rotating out coordinators starting to starting to blow it up in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Let's go to Tim in Clarence next. Tim, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Look, you're right, uh, Chris and Steve. I'm a longtime Bills fan, years. But I um, I did enjoy the season. You're right, we did win. It was ugly the last half of the season. But I was going to say about, I noticed this. I was talking to my sister about it. She's a big Bills fan. And it just seems like they figured Josh out and um, their coordinators, and they collapsed in the pocket. And I was even watching last week the Miami game. They were rolling him out, the Skyler, whatever his name was. And I'm wondering, Josh, why they wouldn't do that? Because he got so many balls batted down yesterday, and he's in the pocket. And why don't they have these to roll him out either side, use his gifts, number one. Number two, I think it's apparent, too. We were hoping after last year looking at Gabe Davis to step up to number two. He needs better weapons around him. And as the offense does do better, you put the defense in a better position, and we're not doing that. So I'll uh, hang up, but I appreciate what you're doing. Still a Bills fan forever, and uh, I, I do agree with you. Once you set the emotion aside, that you can't just gut out the coordinators, although we did get out coached. There's no question about it. Uh, they showed up, and we did. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, Coach McDermott said it himself. We got out coached. So uh, I don't think there's any debating that topic if the head coach of the football team admits to it. Um, to your point about Josh, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Miami kind of set up a little bit of a blueprint. 
They kept their pet, pet, the edge rushers up the field, preventing an escape route for him to roll out and buy extra time. And then their defensive tackles rushed three yards up the field and then hung out in case he wanted to step up in the pocket and they would show themselves there. And it kept Josh's rushing yards down precipitously over these last two games. And Josh was even hesitant at times as to whether to run or to try to make a play behind the line of scrimmage by throwing it. And I think it will be a blueprint going forward. So the Bills are going to have to do something to address that, whether it's running a bootleg right out from the snap to get him out on the edge on more plays uh, to defeat it that way. And your second point about more weapons is 100% accurate. The Bills this year fell behind in the arms race in the AFC in terms of equipping their quarterback with a sufficient number of options. Proof of that came in the recall of John Brown and Cole Beasley halfway through the season because they knew they didn't have enough weapons for Josh Allen to consistently count on. It was Steph Diggs, and then late in the season, Dawson Knox came on and put together a great second half of the season. But besides those two, consistent week-in, week-out production was not there from anybody else in the receiving core for various reasons. But you are now behind in a quarterback arms race for weapons on your offense, and that has to be fixed quickly this offseason if you want to maximize what Josh Allen can do for you and this offense. That's where you have to invest this offseason because right now, Cincinnati is ahead of you in terms of weapons for Joe Burrow. Kansas City is ahead of you in terms of weapons for Patrick Mahomes. And you can even argue that Miami is ahead of you in terms of weapons for Tua. So you have to get that fixed this offseason to allow Josh to maximize his skill set with receivers to throw to on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, and, and there's different philosophy. Here's the thing you got to remember, too. You're going to be presented with opportunities this offseason to get better. And it's certainly there's a couple of philosophies about it. You, you want to get your roster as good as it can get. But there's a philosophy, too, that you spend draft picks and capital and salary cap money on one side of the ball or the other. And there are some teams in the league, Kansas City being one of them, uh, that say, listen, we're going to score points. And our, we're going to, our defense, we're going to get a good coordinator. And, and uh, uh, Spagnola is a really good coordinator in Kansas City, but – you know, they got a couple of pass rushers, and that's about it. They're going to score points. They're going to put more weapons on the on the field. They're going to give Pat Mahomes more offensive linemen. They're going to draft him. They're going to get guys. They're going to build it on one side of the ball and do what they can with the other and see if you can keep up. Uh, that's a philosophy, and certainly it works for them. Uh, most other teams are going to put their roster together with as good a people as they can on both sides of the ball. Uh, you could make an argument now, particularly with a guy like Josh Allen, that, you know what, the Bills need to go with that Chiefs model and give him all the help they can get. Well, think Draft some offensive linemen, get some wide out, get some more help from wideouts. Steph Diggs is 30 years old now, and, you know, you've got to bring some, bring some help in for him. Uh, the, the rotation at wide receiver this year, to me, spoke that they were not seeing enough from – that crew now Steph Diggs had a great season but man oh man when teams managed to double team him and find him and get to and he wasn't there you know Josh was struggling it, it was just, it seemed like they weren't making a do and certainly there's guys who flashed Knox Khalil Shakir um 
and Gabe in the last couple of games, Gabe Davis. But man, oh man, it was few and far between, and it seemed like a struggle. So yeah, that that philosophy I can get behind it. I mean, they, but they're going to have to do some things with their resources this off season that will help their quarterback and help them keep up in this arms race you spoke about. Yeah, I mean, you could even argue that Jacksonville is getting precipitously close to the Bills in terms of weapons that they have at their disposal for Trevor Lawrence on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know if they're quite there, but let's not forget, they're going to get Calvin Ridley off suspension next year on their roster to go with Marvin Jones Jr. and to go with Zay Jones and to go with um, Travis Etienne. Mm -hmm. So I mean, they got a, crew, a young crew down there. And they're going to be closing the gap as well. Think about what the Chiefs did this last offseason. They trade away Tyreek Hill. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they still have McCole Hardman on the team. And they're still not done. At the trade deadline, they had Kadarius Toney. Right. And they have Travis Kelsey. So that's the approach that the Bills need to take going forward because you're going to fall woefully behind and you're not going to be able to keep up with those teams. Yeah, they're not going to make it better for defenses in the NFL. They're going to make it worse for them. So it's going to be harder and harder to play defense. And unless you're sitting at the number one or two or three pick of the draft, or maybe inside the top five, you're not going to get a game-changing pass rusher. Yeah. So, and that's really kind of the only place you'd get one, right? So I th I'm, I'm kind of with you. Um, you got to, and they will, they'll sit back, look at the entire league, look at trends that are happening on rosters and things around the league. They'll look at the list of free agents. The simple fact of the matter is if you can't do that though, because there's nobody available or you can't sign those free agents or you're not willing to pay the money for a free agent of the kind you're looking for, you got to put your resources somewhere else and bring in some guys on the other side of the ball or in the interior of your offensive line or, you know, whatever tackles, whatever you got to bolster your roster somehow, some way. So it's, we don't know what opportunities will be presented to Brandon Bean and his guys about how they're going to build this roster. They may not get a chance at some of these people, but certainly they're going to evaluate what the best way forward is for the franchise and go from there. Let's go back to the phones. We go to Jake in Charlotte. What do you got for us, Jake, here on One Bills Live? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good. Um, I want to talk about Leslie Frazier. Um, I want to. I think that Leslie Frazier is is a big, 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 big problem for the Bills. Um, he's the reason why 13 seconds happened last year, and he's also the reason why the defense failed yesterday. Um, they failed terribly yesterday, and um, his defense has been failing all season long. If if you guys go back and watch a lot of uh, the uh, tapes that that are available online. Uh, but, yeah, I'll hang up and listen. I want to hear you guys' thoughts on Leslie Frazier. And, like I said, I just think I think he needs to go. I think it's time to move on. All right, that's your opinion, Jake. Guess you're entitled to it. Um, to say that they struggled all season long would be incorrect. This was the number two defense in points allowed this season, sixth overall in total defense, despite a myriad of injuries and losing Von Miller at Thanksgiving, along with a host of other players, including Micah Hyde, since week two. Top 10 in third down defense, top five in run defense, middle of the pack in pass defense because they didn't have Tredavious White back until Thanksgiving. So, I mean, you, I know numbers are numbers, results are what matter. Were there some curious defensive play calls yesterday? Yes. Um, did they adjust and affect the quarterback enough in the game yesterday? No. Did they get enough stops? 
I mean, Cincinnati didn't even have a third down until their third possession of the game. They marched right down the field, first two drives, made it look easy, two blown coverages. Look, there are, two, there are things that go hand in hand with poor performances. And it's basically execution on the field and game strategy. And Coach McDermott said it after the game. We got physically manhandled at the line of scrimmage. We had miscues on the field, so a lack of execution. And he also said they got outcoached. So all the way around, it was a bad day to have a bad day, but everybody had a bad day for the Bills, and that's why we saw the result that we did. Now, you want to start firing people, that's your opinion, but I don't think you want to take a one-game sample with adverse circumstances that we can run down the list of, and I'm not trying to be an excuse maker, an apologist. They got beat yesterday. They got flat-out beat on the field, on the sidelines, up in the coach's booth, however you want to slice it, they got flat-out beat by a team that was more ready to play and had a better game strategy going in and throughout making adjustments that were necessary to handily win the football game. But I just don't think knee-jerk reactions like firings are the way to go here. Yeah, there's too much quality behind him to do that. And and you're right, a couple of – Touchdown, first two touchdowns, you look at, and anytime you've got blown coverages, I mean, to me, that's on the players. They, you, yeah, that's an execution issue. That's an execution issue on the field. Um, that's defensive coordinator over there makes a call where everybody's covered and has an assignment, and somebody doesn't cover them and blows their assignment. You can say what you want about the preparation, but this is, you know, in the playoffs, there's five guys on the field in the secondary that should know what they're doing. They've had tons of – all of those guys had tons of reps. There's – you know, and when you blow it, it's because you start to panic and start to do something outside your responsibility or start to go someplace else to make a play when you should have been doing what you were supposed to do on the play. That's how you blow assignments defensively. You get caught up in what you're looking at and forget that you're supposed to be doing something else rather than watching or rather than going up to make somebody else's tackle. And then all of a sudden you turn around and they're throwing at the guy you should have been covering. Uh, or you get your, your eyes are wrong because you got, start getting caught up in ball handling in the backfield and all of a sudden the guy's running by you. Stuff like that happens when you blow assignments. The coordinator's over on the sidelines calling the defense he wants you to run. If you don't run it, that's when you give up touchdowns. Uh, now there's – Brownie's right. It was a – I mean, it was an unprecedented collapse yesterday when you got two opening drives of the game for the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't, they didn't face a third down on one. I mean, they had on either. They had, they averaged nine point one yards per play. Um, they had thirty first downs in the game, and only ten third downs. So, it was a rough day defensively. And it, you went up against an offensive line that was full of backup players. They steamrolled them. And they got steamrolled. Uh, they, got, they, got, they got blown up. And it goes back to not being engaged in that game enough to stem that tide. They've, they were not mentally in the right place to go in and play an NFL game, let alone an NFL playoff game. We have to take a break here, but more of your phone calls when we return. And we'll also go around the locker room as it is locker cleanout day here at One Bills Drive. Some interesting comments from the Bills. Maybe the most notable, Micah Hyde's comments about his availability 
had they won the game this week. We'll let you know about that next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here on this Buffalo Football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. It is locker clean-out day here at One Bills Drive after the AFC Divisional loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's time for us to take you around the locker room presented by Connect Life, your blood and organ donor network, and we begin with veteran safety Micah Hyde, who had been out since week two but began practicing two weeks ago, and as we'll find out here from Micah, had the Bills won yesterday – he would have been cleared to play in the conference championship game. Here is Micah. Micah, I guess what's the next step in your recovery health-wise? I know you're able to get out to practice. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like as far as a like recovery health-wise for you as uh, approaches? Well, I actually uh, I got cleared. I got cleared. So next game, I was going to be able to go out there and play. Um, this is the most unique season obviously I've ever been a part of uh just you know working working my way back to just be a part of this team and go out there and try to help in any way I could um and then to come you know get into the playoffs and like I told you guys struggling for a little bit after surgery and then you know getting some good news from the doctor about my recovery and um you know getting to the point where I finally got to last week to to get cleared um late in the week and know that you know we have the possibility to win this game. I'm out there. Um, I'm out there in the AFC Championship game. So, you know, just a lot of uh, highs and lows this year from you know my own personal life and also just this football team. And to come to a uh, quick stop like that, um, just like you know, 31 other teams are gonna you know live through that is, is pretty tough. You mentioned both your personal journey, but also everything the team's been through this year. What did you learn about the Buffalo Bills this season, just in everything? Um, as far as the organization or? Just like your teammates. Yeah, team. I just learned a lot. Learned a lot about these guys this year, having to, to, you know, not to be on the sideline and just still going to meetings, being here every day, the long hours. Um, just seeing the way guys work, you know, I, I definitely got closer to to a lot of guys this season. Just to, um, like I said, just see how they work and see how they, you know, approach their job each and every. I learned a lot from the young guys, older guys. Um, you know, I, like I told you guys before, I feel like with my injury is a blessing in disguise. Um, I was able to to learn a lot about the game, um, learn a lot about myself. Um, so. You know, it was cool to see. It was cool to see a lot of guys step up um, and and play a lot of snaps, big role, have a big role in this team that, you know, they coming into OTAs last year, they probably wouldn't have thought would be the case. Um, but it was it was exciting to see a lot of guys really really flourish and and blossom and and come to life this season. In years past, we've done this day, and it's been a lot of like, hey, let's keep the band together. We want to get back <laughs> if it's possible. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there's probably a similar also maybe the reality that it's just not as feasible as it was in years past. And yeah. One of those big names is somebody you've played a long time with, mm-hmm. Jordan Porter. How do you just kind of approach that side of things heading into the offseason with so much uncertainty? 
Yeah, I mean, after every every loss, um, there's emotion, a lot of emotion. Uh, after the season-ending loss, this is way more, uh, you know, emotion. And you know, we're we're all we all understand the business side of things. We all know whose contracts are up and and who's going to be free agents and stuff like that. And so coming into this season, um, you knowing knowing you know Poe's situation, um, you know, I wanted to. Number one, I wanted to help him get a new deal. I, I feel like, you know, within the locker room, guys want to see other guys get paid. And, um, you know, we all love each other. We all look out for each other. We want to see guys get paid. And so that was kind of my mindset coming into the season. And um, with my situation happening, um, you know, I said this numerous times that there was there was more on Poe's shoulder shoulders this year than any other year of us being here. Um, you know, I, I to be honest, I kind of felt like I let him down just in the sense of getting hurt because – you know him having to continue to to move on without me, which I would have been the same way if Poe got you know if Poe got hurt for the season and and I was out there, it would have been more on my shoulders to get guys lined up, um, to mentally prepare for the week, um, to talk ball. You know, just when you spend so much time with somebody um, throughout the last six years, you just you know you kind of just lean into them, and so. Um, you know, I feel like I kind of let him down and, and he had a lot on his shoulders and, you know, just seeing him yesterday, um, not really in the game how we wanted to and in the game how he personally wanted to was tough to see. Like, it, it hurt me to see that, um, you know, because you, you never know what the future holds as a business, you know. So I've been in the league long enough and I've seen a lot of teammates come and go and um, Poe would definitely be the the one um, at the top of the list to, to see go just because it's, you know, we were able to step into this place together in, in, in 17 and make a name for ourselves. He helped me get to where I am in my, in my career and, and vice versa. And, um, you know, we leaned on each other a lot over the last six years, not just on the field but off, um, just having just grown man conversations, starting families together, um, just, you know, everything, every aspect of life. So love Poe. Um, you know, it was, it was emotional. It was emotional yesterday uh, just coming home and, and and seeing you know, number one me not playing, but number two, seeing Poe um, really uncertain about his future, and that goes along with some other guys. But like I said, Poe definitely be at the top of the list. I know that you know this is obviously above you know your your pay grade, and these are decisions that are made above you. What if Jordan's here next year? If he's not, but knowing what he means to see, what he means to you, are these conversations that do you have conversations with? Guys like Sean, Brandon, um, you know, as that time uh, approaches, I, I guess. They they know that. They know that. Um, you know, they've been around us just, you know, being in the building and stuff like that. And they, they know how, you know, what relationships guys have. They know how close Poe and I am. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, like, like you said, that's above my pay grade. Um, as far as guys coming and going in this, you know, organization, it's really nothing, you know, Really, nothing I can say. I can always vouch for somebody, you know, and, and stuff like that. But um, it's above me. Michael, what this team's been going upward from 17 and the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Now that the standard is different than when you first started, you were in Green Bay, a lot of success, but weren't always reaching the peak. What, what's your message to this team now moving forward? Of all right, we've gotten here, but how do we get here? It's it's. I mean, I've never won a championship. Like like you said, I've I've gotten to you know the NFC Championship games a few times, AFC Championship game one time here, um, and throughout the years you just realize how crucial and how detailed you'd have to be in the playoffs. 
Um, you know, whether if it's a game like I think it was a three score game, it was a final score of 27 to 10 yesterday. This is a three score game, but at the same time, there were some there were some plays within that game that um, you know could have definitely went a, a different way. And and if those plays were made on our side. Um, you know, the, the outcome of the game could have been different. And I know you can talk about each and every play, and I'm, I'm sure you guys do that a lot also, but um, it's just very detailed. And when those plays come to you, you have to make them. Um, and so to, to lose in the divisional round again, it's tough. Um, but you got to understand that it's just a few, you're a few plays away from really, you know, getting through to that game. And then, you know, once you get into the playoffs, it's anybody's game. You just got to you got to get hot at the right get hot at the right time. We felt like it was us. We felt like it was us this year. Um, and a lot of teams uh, definitely felt that. But you got to continue to uh, fine tune your craft in the offseason, continue to get better, understand that um, it's never going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. Like it doesn't matter how much work you put in. Uh, I can I can say it's safe to say that I've each offseason I feel like I'm working harder. But obviously, with the situation that happened this year, with in my case and whatever, it just it doesn't matter. You got to continue to work. Got to continue to fine fine tune your craft and and just uh, you know hope that you get hot at the right moment. Matt talked about like the energy, maybe just not being there yesterday. You know, from the outside looking in because you didn't play in the game, did it feel like it was something that the Bengals did, or was it more something that just for whatever reason didn't materialize in the day? Uh, yeah. I mean, we got beat yesterday. Like we were we. We felt like we definitely got just beat all around. Um, you know, they, when the team's doing that to you, there's not going to be a, you know a bunch of energy, a bunch of juice. Um, there weren't too many plays for us to be able to get excited. You know, get up, get off the bench, and 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 you know really talk about. So um, I think when that is happening, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of low energy. Do I feel like before the game there was low energy? No, not at all. Guys, I feel like guys are ready to go. Guys were ready to play. The game plan throughout the week was was in place, and and we were executing it. Um, but at the same time, you know, we just got uh, we got outplayed by them, and and uh, you got to live with it. You got to watch it. You got to learn from it, and um, and move on. Michael, what sticks with you most from this season as you head into the off season? Um, all the things that this team went through, for sure. Like it's, I've never been on a team this resilient. Um, just stuff that was was clearly out of our control, um, and guys just continue to fight and fight, and a lot of it motivated motivated us. And just at the end, we just ran out of gas. Um, we, you know, we fought all year long, and you know we've talked about this plenty of times. With just the the weather issues, the uh, injuries, um, just a lot of things that happened this year, and then to see these guys really um, keep fighting. Keep coming to work. Keep being positive. Keep getting up in the morning, which is hard to do when the weather's bad, when it's snowing. Um, to see all that, it was just—it was really. I learned a lot. Like I said, I learned a lot about my teammates, and um, I'm I'm very very proud of the the players, the coaches, this organization. From you know, cafeteria ladies to the janitors, just everybody having a positive mindset in this building each and every day, and that's something I'll definitely cherish for the rest of my life. Do you think that all of that stuff? Did or can have an emotional toll as the season goes on. Even if you don't realize it in the moment, you sit back and reflect and say, maybe all that stuff was just did finally catch up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I think that it, even my perspective was different because I wasn't playing, so I was really able to sit back and and be like, wow, like, you know, even though I was in the meetings, I was I was part of the game planning stuff, but I wasn't on the field. And I feel like if, when you're on the field and you know, you're kind of your mind's kind of being taken away from you know what's going on around you. So I was. 
you know, off the field and just like really paying attention to what was going on. I'm just like, oh, wow, like, geez, from the, like I said, from the weather issues that we had, having to leave early. And everybody has, you know, their own personal things going on at home. And, you know, when that stuff was happening, my wife was, you know, at the house with blizzard going on, two kids, electricity going out. I'm getting phone calls. I'm staying up late, making sure, you know, my neighbors can help out, which they're amazing. And, you know, so everyone's going through their own personal battles um, with a lot of the issues that went on this year. And uh, like I said, just ran out of gas. It was just, it was, it was a tough year. It's not making excuses by any means. Um, we felt like we, you know, this team was going to get it done. And at the end of the day, we just didn't. Pretty uh, telling comments from Micah Hyde, who I think pegged a lot of things. Um, maybe the most interesting is the uncertainty that comes in this offseason, knowing that the guy who he has been a tandem with at safety for the last six years is a free agent. And it's going to be 32 years years old next year, and we don't know what the future holds there. Um, could look very different in Buffalo's secondary next year. Hyde is back. He's under contract for one more season. Poyer is not, and we don't know where that's going to go. If you remember, he wanted a new contract at the beginning of the year. That never happened. So, And he was riddled with injuries for most of the season. But he gutted it out. He played extremely well. Um, even in the midst of those injuries, hyperextended his elbow in training camp. Um, had to take a take a bus to Kansas City to, to play because he Kansas couldn't City, fly. A couple of cracked ribs, um, and you know, just kind of played tough. He really laid it on the line for the club, and I know you know Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, and his teammates really appreciated. No question about it. They they love the guy. Um, you know, but like you said, you know, he's thirty two years old and. And it's a business. And it's a business. And and I'll tell you this too, not for nothing, um, he may strike it rich. Good for him. Yep. You know, I don't think the Bills will make him that guy though, with Tremaine Edmonds standing there, um, and the rest. So I don't know. It's I know that the Bills will make him an I think I don't know. I think the Bills will make him an offer. But whether that's an offer that nobody else will match or even succeed uh supersede, I you know, I I kinda yeah. doubt it. Break time for us here. When we come back, more of your phone calls here on this Buffalo Football Monday at 803-0550. We're back in a minute here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. We're going to get right back to the phones, and we go to Jim in Olean next. What do you got for us, Jim? Good afternoon, guys. Um, got to say I'm not totally shocked about yesterday's game. I didn't think they'd get beat that bad. But I look back at the game three weeks ago with the Damar Hamlin incident, and that game almost seemed to be going the same way up until the time of the, the medical incident there. I mean, Joe Burrow seemed to be moving the ball pretty easy. And he's that team you've got to put up sevens and nothing but sevens and play a perfect game on defense. And the defense is something definitely that needs to be shored up, you know, in the off season here. And I would like to see somehow if they could ever get a Thurman Thomas like running back. I don't think anybody should be fired. You don't want to throw away a whole team just because of a 
team that played poorly yesterday. I mean, for crying out loud, they've only lost four games this season. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think we got to give them a break there and just try to shore up the areas that need to be shore up. Help Josh in more ways that we can through an offensive line, more you know, good receivers, and a running back that maybe could catch the ball out of the backfield, and a tougher defense. I remember the defenses of the 90s, and I'd like to see that come back. And now I'll just sit back and listen. Thanks right. a lot, Thanks, guys. Jim. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I get it. I'll say this about the Monday night football game. Even the game yesterday, I, I kind of predicted that – I was always my thought, and I, I watched this team play like everybody else did. One of the things that was became kind of a hallmark of the way Bills games went were that their opponents would come out early in the game and have make some hay offensively. They would come out and move the football, and they would sometimes, in a lot of instances, have their most offensive production early in games. And then Leslie Frazier and the staff, they'd start to make some adjustments, and they'd just squeeze the life out of them. There's a, a maybe double-digit games this season – maybe certainly more than six games this season where that looked to be the case in games that they just strangled their opponents. So I was not phased when Cincinnati came out and on that Monday night game when they came out, went right down the field and scored a touchdown. And the Bills came down and moved right back down the field the other way, and they had the intercept, the incompletion on the two-yard line, kicked the field goal, so 7-3. And since he was off again, running again, that to me was early in the game. It was – three possessions in or two and a half possessions in, I was not surprised that that's how that game was going to go uh, because the Bills' defense adjusts during games and, and squeezes that stuff out of the other team. So that game to me was happening exactly like you kind of thought it was going to happen, and I thought the Bills were going to be fine in that game on Monday night. Uh, I would agree that – you know, just with the team's only lost four times this season. I mean, let's, you know, take a deep breath here. And I said that a little earlier in the show. Um, this is a really good team. And it, when the most of the criticism of your team is coming about style points after wins, not winning by enough, you're pretty good. You're in a pretty good spot. And that's where this team has lived over the past three years. Uh, they've been in a really good spot. They're a hard team to beat. And that remains to be so. That remains so. Um, but in games like this, you've got to play better on game day. Your coaches have to coach their best, and your players have to play their best. And I don't think either one happened yesterday. Yeah. And to to his point, Joe Burrow, the way that he improved his game this year was he became a highly efficient quarterback. He was always a high completion passer. But I said a couple of weeks ago. He has incorporated the Tom Brady approach into the passing game for the Bengals. Basically, what he has done is he's adopted the death by a thousand cuts passing game philosophy of Tom Brady. His yards per attempt came way down this year, but his efficiency went way up. And as a result, the Cincinnati offense stays on schedule. They get first downs and they score points. The Kansas City Chiefs operate in much the same way this year, especially after trading away Tyreek Hill. The big play element of their offense went away. They focused on efficiency. The Bills could do a lot of good to take that same approach and adopt an efficiency model. But to do that, you're going to have to have weapons on the offense 
that you can consistently count on week in and week out, not once every four or five weeks outside of Stephon Diggs and maybe Dawson Knox. That is the challenge that this team is going to go in with into the offseason. Can you adopt the efficiency model effectively, and do you have enough weapons to effectively execute that model? The Cincinnati Bengals certainly do with their top three receivers and a tight end that's very capable in Hayden Hurst. The Chiefs, we know, can do it as well, and those are the two teams that are still playing right now. That's the challenge, I think, in the offseason. We're going to squeeze in one more phone call here before the top of the hour. Isaac in Tennessee. What do you got for us here on One Bills Live? Yeah, hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, basically what I just wanted to say is we have the third best quarterback in the league right now, and it's not because he lacks talent. I'm talking about Burrow and Mahomes, but it's because he lacks weapons around him. I mean, how many times do you see on the screen that Mahomes will throw a five-yard pass to McKinnon and he'll run it for 50 yards or same with Chase. They have great yards after catch. We have nothing like that. I mean, after Diggs, everybody else is just, you know, an average player. And another thing I wanted to say was Allen's going into year six. He's got, you know, no MVPs, no Super Bowl appearances. Either Burrow's going to have two or Mahomes is going to have three. So we got to hurry up and get this team right because he's got some catching up to do if he wants to be, you know, remembered like these guys. And I'm going to hang up. Thanks. Thanks, Isaac. Appreciate the phone call. I think we kind of covered some of that ground with the last caller as well, so no need to expand on that. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll begin our second hour with Josh Allen, who will be addressing the media here on Locker Cleanout Day. We'll get his thoughts as he heads into the offseason in preparation for season number six in 2023. That's coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are for hour number two on a Buffalo Football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And addressing the media here on Locker Cleanout Day is Bills quarterback Josh Allen. We know at the end of the game, when he was buried with his uh, face in an iPad reviewing plays from the previous series, one Stephon Diggs was... Not exactly thrilled with what was going on. We'll see if Josh addresses that as he addresses the media here on Monday. You know, not where we always, you know, wanted to be with this. What do you think, you know, processing it a day after? What do you think went wrong? Um, I don't think we obviously executed at a high level, and that starts with me. Um, you know, what weren't as detailed as maybe we would have liked to have been. But again, credit to to the Bengals, they had a really good game plan. They came out and on both sides of the ball, and they were firing. Um, yeah, we just didn't we didn't answer back. Josh, you uh, from two years ago conference championship appearance to now 
back-to-back divisional rounds. Uh, does it feel in your mind like this season uh, was a step backward in some ways in the sense that you didn't advance beyond where you got last year? You know, I don't want to just discredit um, everything that we did this year. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of positives that we saw throughout the year. You know, a lot of adversity that this team had been dealt. Um, I'm still proud of our team for how we handled some of those really adverse situations. Um, you know, they they weren't they weren't all easy, and uh, that's the NFL, man. Every there's going to be 31 unhappy teams, and this is going to be the feeling every year. Uh, unless you win the Super Bowl, um, so again, obviously we we want to we want to win our last game, and we didn't do that. So, um, lots to learn from, lots to grow from, um, but you know we're gonna stick together as a team, and uh, you know as an office and an organization, and you know continue to try to figure things out. I recognize that the, the hurt is still fresh from yesterday, but what in your mind uh, has to happen to, to push past this? This, you know, this stage of where you've been and, and advanced beyond it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a it's a loaded question. You know, we gotta we gotta play play better in the later parts of the season. Um, you know, we gotta find a way to, to peak at the right time. You know, in the playoffs. So um, again, a lot to look at, a lot to learn from and grow from. You know, and we're gonna continue to uh, you know keep working on things. Josh, with your elbow, we know it was listed on the injury report. You know, through the season, what are the steps forward in terms of taking care of that? Is it rest? Are you going to have to get an operation of any sort? Where is that at? Yeah, no, uh, we don't think uh, operation is necessary at this time. And um, obviously, rest and rest and recovery is going to be really good for it. Um, yeah. How impactful was it since the injury to the end of the season in your performance? Uh, I mean, there is a. a period obviously right after for a few weeks where you know um, it was pretty bothersome but again it didn't affect me all that much um, just kind of felt like maybe I was trying to throw it a little differently mechanically I had to change a few things um, and, and got away a little bit from um, you know how I how I use how I'm used to throwing the ball and uh, that's just kind of a byproduct of that, but again, it didn't didn't affect me too much. Um, I don't. Th- I mean, it's the NFL, and again, the first few weeks of a season, you don't really know. You know who the teams are in the league. You know the first couple games are a really big fill-up process for for everybody. Um, and as you get in the later part of the season, that's when you know the opposing teams, you know defenses in, a, in general, are starting to click, and you know they're figuring things out too. They've got film on you, um, so we got to be we got to be adaptive, and we got to figure out ways to again make it a little easier for us. And uh, you know going in the off season, talking with with the coaching staff, and just figuring out. Again, ways to maybe lessen that burden. Um, uh, so again, there's a lot to learn from. Understanding that, understanding that peaking at the right time, while also knowing that some things prevented, seem to prevent this team from peaking through a lot of adversity from what from the things that happened. How do you balance being proud of this team and yet still 
unhappy with where things ended. Yeah, well, again, there's there's a lot of love in this locker room uh, for each other. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm sick to my stomach. Um, and a lot of guys in the locker room are as well. You know, we want to we wanna win a Super Bowl. And that's, that's our goal and that's our mindset every time we step out on, on the field and each and every year that will never change. Um, and it sucks, you know, feeling like you're close and not being able to accomplish it. And I know it's been the last three years with a you know, very similar feeling. And we got to continue to, you know, push our, push forward and, you know, find a way to get over this hump and, um, you know, set out to accomplish what we want. Josh, we saw that Steph was visibly upset on the sideline <coughs> yesterday, you know, as the game went on. What were those conversations like with him and um, just conversations really since the game ended? Yeah, I mean, guys are, guys are competitive. Um, again, we don't want to lose. It's not fun losing. It's not fun losing that way. Um, so it's it's all understood, you know. At the end of the day, uh, we got to be there for each other and and uh, continue to keep pushing forward. Did you ever feel like at any point this season that there was any like disconnect between you two, or you guys like weren't on the same page at all, or was it just there just sometimes weren't those opportunities in games? Yeah, I just feel like sometimes there there weren't that you know that many opportunities, and again, defenses can game plan. Um, you know, and try to take away your number one receiver, and you know that's uh, that's just a, the fact of it. And you know, those guys on the other side of the ball get paid too. But um, just again, continuing to find ways to to get him the ball. I think it's good to go. Yeah, I think it's. Um, yeah, we don't we don't plan on any of that. Josh, you mentioned that you felt at times maybe that your throwing motion was compromised a bit after the injury. Did that improve as the season went on to where, you know, now here in, like, say in the playoffs, you were back to throwing normally? Yeah, I think uh, really two weeks ago is when I kind of felt like I got back to mechanically um, what I like. Um, Again, being a rotational thrower, it's very kind of elbow prevalent. Um, and maybe I got a little bit to more of a linear type deal because I just couldn't really use all that much force and kind of flicking it out there. But um, again, just just adapting. Josh, we've seen this team uh, invest heavily on the defense last year, signing Vaughn, uh, multiple first round picks used on, on that side of the football. Are you satisfied with the level to which uh, you have added on the offense, whether that be up front in front of you or at wide receiver? Uh, in giving you weapons. I love our guys. They uh, they battle their tails off. Um, yeah, that that doesn't bother me. And you know, I got to go out there and be the best quarterback that I can be for this team, and just go try to execute and you know trust the ten guys on the field with me. Josh, Josh. what did Cincinnati do from a coverage standpoint that made it difficult for you guys to go out and execute? Um, I mean they were bringing some simulated pressures and dropping a DN and bringing the star and um, you know throwing some whether it be junk tamper or some post-high zone behind it, um, and just you know mixing up the looks of where they were bringing pressure. So again, just gotta be gotta be better, um, you know. And they they outplayed us yesterday, which you know is a, a sucky feeling. Um, and we gotta we gotta learn from it. Josh, what will stick with you most from this season? Um, I mean the adversity that this team had to overcome. Um, Again, there's a there's a lot of a, a lot of stuff that happened uh, to a football team that I don't know if it's ever happened before, you know. And 
just just battling through that with the guys in this locker room and us, you know, trusting each other. Uh, obviously, we want we want we want to win. Um, make no mistake about it. But you know, I'm proud of how this team was able to fight through some of the stuff that we went through. I mean, the only the only way is forward, and we had to continue to keep pushing and um, learning, and um, you know, talking with the the coaching staff and being involved with that, and um, figuring out how how we can make this thing work going forward, um, and how it's you know to make it a little easier for us. And again, the NFL it's hard to win this league, you know, and uh, to have sustained success is very very difficult, and. You know, we've been in the playoffs the last four years now. Um, you know, we've gotten close, but we haven't gotten to where we want to get to. And, you know, we're going to keep striving to do that. And, again, the guys in this locker room have that same feeling. And, again, every year is different. I don't know who's, like, personnel and all that stuff. That's such a different part of it, too. And, you know, it sucks saying bye to these guys that, you know, you may never may never play with again, never see again. Um, and that's just kind of the fact of the league. And, it's a business at the end of the day, but I've got so much love for, for the guys in this locker room. Josh, good to talk about that on draft night. Such a special night, right? You get drafted alongside a guy named Tremaine Evans. You know, how important is it to keep a guy like that in his building? Yeah, I mean, Tremaine's had a, he's had an unbelievable year. Um, you know, he's a captain. He calls our plays for us on defensive side of the ball. Um, a guy that you know, has been in this league for five years now, and he's made some, some unbelievable plays and um, had some unbelievable moments for us, and um, and I don't know how that's all shaking up. I don't know anything about that. Um, would I love to have him? Absolutely. He's he's a difference maker out there. Um, guys love him. I love him. You know, he busts his tail. He works hard. He doesn't complain. Um, you know, he's the ultimate uh, ultimate guy on defense that you would want leading your defense. So um, I guess we'll have to see. And I again, I, I hope we get him back. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's got that ability, and uh, again, who knows what's going to happen with all that. So um, I'll kind of leave it, leave it there. How much room? Go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he did a really good job, um, you know, putting us in positions to to be successful. And you know, if you look at the the statistics and rankings, um, I mean, I think we're ranked or statistically at least pretty high in basically all the uh, metrics that you want to use. Um, but again, I got to be better for him, um, you know, especially when he gives me some shot plays. I had turned the ball too many, turned the ball over too many times this year, and. Um, you know, didn't didn't really bite us all that much. You know, only losing three games in in the regular season, but there's opportunities where it could have. And uh, you know, just taking a deep dive into that and understanding uh, you know defenses as well as I can, and just trying to make the right play moving forward. And um, you know, again, allow this offense to to continue being out on the field. On the same topic. That starts now. Yeah, talking with the coaching staff and um, you know maybe taking a little bit of time off and just kind of 
reevaluating things and, and obviously letting the body rest and recover. Um, but again, just it, it doesn't really stop. You guys, on the same topic, how much room do you think you and Dorsey still have to? How much room is there still to grow? A lot of room. A lot of room. And you know the relationship that we have and uh, the faith that we have in each other. That's that's going to stay high and. Um, you know, recency bias from this last game. I know everybody's going to lose their minds, but we did a lot of good things this year, and I, 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 I trust him. He works. He works so hard. He works tirelessly. He's always in the building. Um, I mean, he'll FaceTime me at 11 o'clock at night, still here, and and just trying to find new ways um, to get the ball, you know, into to certain guys' hands. So um, I respect. I respect the hell out of him. I really do. You, um, you guys as a team went through a lot. This community went through a lot this year. Did you feel that you guys were at least some sort of distraction or inspiration through a nice season you had, and I know it didn't end that well, through what this community went through in the sense, even if there's a sense of responsibility with that? Yeah. Um, again, there's there's a lot of stuff, and like I said, the way our team handled it, there's times easily we could have uh, you know, allowed it to be an excuse, and we didn't. And at the end of the day, we got we got DeMar back, so that's, that's uh, an extreme silver lining. Um, for everybody in this locker room. There are a lot of changes to the quarterback room last offseason. Now with Joe and Case coming in, would you like this room to stay the same? Would you like, you know, did you like working with Joe and having Case? I, I love both of them. I really do. And uh, obviously, you guys know how much I love Matt. But they they were they were fantastic for me this year. Joe works his tail off. He really does. He's extremely smart. Um, obviously, being an offensive coordinator before, and I'm sure he's going to be getting calls. And however that. You know, plays out is uh, yet to be seen. Uh, but case, you know, just the presence, the vet presence, you know, the things that we're able to talk about, um, not just X's and O's, but from leadership mentality and, and that type of standpoint, how to interact with certain guys. Um, he's he's been great for me, and you know, again, it's it's the league, it's a business. I understand that things change up extremely quickly. Um, but I, I love both those guys, and I'd love to work with them going forward. Josh, Matt Milano yesterday said it felt like the sideline lacked energy. Given what was at stake in the game, that sounded like a sort of a troubling thing to hear. Did, did you get that sense? And, and if you did, how do you fix that going forward? Um, you know, I don't, I, you know, energy is created by execution. Um, and we didn't go out there and execute. So, you know, the two, three and outs right away, they scored two touchdowns right away. That's just really bad situational football. It's bad complimentary football. Um, you know, and somebody somebody's got to step up and make a play. Um, you know, and early on in the game, we just we didn't, and that's just that's the fact of it. And uh, we had an opportunity to make it a one-score game right before halftime. Um, didn't get that done. So again, it's 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 a lot of complimentary football, a lot of situational football that we got to be better at, and especially against good teams where um, you need to execute at a very high level. And uh, we didn't do that yesterday, and I take that upon my shoulders and. Uh, I got to be better for this team. Will you be working with Jordan again this off season, and what's that timeline look like? Yeah, most likely. Um, I, honestly, I don't. I don't know when I'm going back to California. If I'm going back to California, um, I didn't really plan for this to happen. Obviously, so uh, just kind of figuring things out as we go here, um, and just kind of playing it by ear. Um. You know, I, I got a lot more to learn, a lot more to grow from, and uh, I got a long way to go. You mentioned not being detailed enough uh, yesterday. Is that 
Yeah, I think it's it's a mixture of a lot of different things. Um, you know, we gotta we gotta be out, be able to go out there and and execute. And again, we didn't. And whether it was, um, you know, a mental error on my mistake, um, whether it's sliding the protection the right way or the wrong way, or um, you know, calling, you know, the play the right way in the huddle, whatever it is, uh, there's just a lot of things leading up to it that uh, we need to be better at. And um, you know, and again, I take that upon on myself. And you know, I gotta get this team to where we feel like we're comfortable to go out there uh, on game day. And I'm saying, not saying that we we weren't yesterday. We just didn't execute. And uh, you know, we gotta we gotta be better at that. You mentioned the turnovers earlier uh, as a as an area that you identified as a problem. Do you feel that maybe at times this season that you were trying to do too much, or what do you? Uh, potentially. Um, again, looking back at, at film every year, it's just, you know, you continue to get better, but you look at film, it's just like, God, why why are my eyes starting here in this concept? Why why am I looking over here? Why am I throwing this ball? Um, stuff to clean up. And again, uh, with repetition, you know, I'm going to continue to get better, and uh, I'm going to learn a lot from this season and, um, you know, come out and have the hunger for, for next year. Um, you know, I, I can, I can agree with that statement. I don't know for, for me personally. Um, but again, it just, you got to play, play your best against really good teams. And, and we didn't yesterday. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for everything. All right. That's Josh Allen addressing the media here on locker clean out day. A lot to unpack there. Interesting, but a very strong vote of confidence for Ken Dorsey and Joe Brady, the quarterback's coach. Incidentally, the Jets are reportedly interested in interviewing Joe Brady for their vacant offensive coordinator position, so we'll have to see how that unfolds in the coming days and weeks as their division rival looks to fill an important position on Robert Sala's staff. Josh also, as we always say, one of the most self-aware quarterbacks I've ever been around. I know you feel similarly, Steve. And he admits that he's got some things he wants to clean up. He also revealed that his elbow... That he was injured, that injured was injured in week nine. Did not feel right to allow him to throw with his normal throwing mechanics until two weeks ago. Yeah, and we were we'd been talking about some of the things I thought he was going to need to work on in the offseason. One of them was those quick little like he'd wait in the pocket and before he'd take the check down, he'd wait almost impossibly long and then flick it quick. And he was always a little bit more inaccurate with those check downs. Come to find out his elbow wasn't right, and, and that may lead to a lot of the answers that, you know, why some of his throws didn't look the way they should have looked was the pain in his elbow and the fact that he had to change his mechanics because of it. Doesn't seem to be uh, – I'm pretty sure there would be more in those statements if we if he thought it was going to be lingering, if he thought he was going to have to have off-season surgery, if he thought he was going to have to have some sort of lengthy rehab or something like that. There would have been more in his answers, so I don't, you know, I think it's just, just a little rest and re, and uh, and a slow return to normal activity. He'll be a hundred percent. But yeah, that's some stuff makes some sense now. We suspected it during the season. We talked about him whether his elbow was hurting him or not. But then he he'd pop off a sixty-five yard throw, and it's like, well, how much can it be hurting? And uh, it was more of a mechanical thing than it was a strength thing, and and it, he just 
changed his throwing motion a little bit, and it was yeah. fine. Let's get back to the phones. we got some people waiting patiently there. We're going to go to Mark in West Seneca next. Mark, what do you have for us? You're on One Bills Live. Gentlemen, how are you today? Good. Good. That's good. I'm doing good, too. Um, just a, a couple of, I wanted to call and talk about the coordinators, and I'm not advocating anybody getting firing, fired, so please don't misconstrue what I'm about to say. Um, I think the Bills, as an organization, are going to have to do some hard evaluations this last season on personnel, number one, uh, but also on the coordinators. Um, I think there were times where, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I couldn't understand how Ken was trying to attack teams or how focused they seem to be on just a vertical passing game. And hence, why would you dress three slot receivers yesterday and then really not use them? And when you did, you were throwing the ball still downfield, um, things like that. Uh, and, and I think Josh sort of said it in his comments when he just said, we have to feel, figure out how to be more adaptive late in the year. To me, that means we have to figure out as a group how to change things up because people are getting a beat on us. That's on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, Leslie Frazier has been a question mark for several years now for, and for a lot of people. And it, he has a great regular season record, always a top five defense pretty much, all of that. But this is the third year in a row now, third year, in the elimination game where our defense looked like they weren't up to snuff and like we had no idea how we were being attacked. Twice by Kansas City and now by Cincinnati. We don't pay these guys, and, and they don't, he doesn't get paid to be a great regular season coach. He's got to figure out a way to be better when it counts the most against the best teams. Now, obviously, a lot of that was execution. There are injury excuses. I don't think you could use that yesterday when you're going up against a backup offensive line and you still didn't figure out a way to use your front seven to affect the quarterback more to help obviously an undermanned secondary. We didn't do anything like that. At least it didn't seem to me with my naked eye and my limited knowledge of football. So that all being said, I just want to finish one last thing. For the team and the organization, they did not let us down. In a year where things were horrible in this community, and a lot of the time with everything we were going through, the one bink of life we all, light we always had was a Bills game at the end of the week. So I thank them for that. I love them. I'll always be behind them. And go Bills for next year. Thanks, right. guys. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the phone call. Some valid points. Um, we just heard Josh addressed, you know, the Ken Dorsey and offensive adapting relationship there. You know, they have to find a way maybe to adjust more effectively in-game. I think that was the strength of Brian Dayball's, but Brian Dayball had been a coordinator before at different stops in his career. And not for nothing, Brian Dable didn't have a whole lot of success as a coordinator in two previous stops in Cleveland and Kansas City. So, you know, Dorsey in his first year as a play caller probably went through some growing pains. But I think the big-time endorsement from Josh that we just heard 10 minutes ago is a testament to the fact that even the guy for whom he is calling plays believes he's on the right track. So maybe this is a position that Dorsey just has to grow into. But that's the risk you take when you have when you have coordinator changes. And this was not by choice. Brian Dable got a head coaching job. It was a position they had to fill. So 
you can't fault him for making the change. But now some people, not Mark and West Seneca, but some other people out there want more change. And I think you run the risk of taking another step back when you reset the deck again. That's what the Jets are doing on offense. That's what the Dolphins are doing on defense. It, it sets you back because it takes time to gain traction in those new systems. Do you want, yeah, you have to ask yourself a question. I do it every year. And he said they're, you know, and, and like Mark from West Seneca said, they need to do some hard evaluation. Absolutely. And they do that. Nobody's harder on these players or these coaches than themselves. They take good, hard looks at themselves and they hold each other accountable. Why did you do this? Why didn't we do this? What were, what were our steps towards getting to that decision? They, they take some hard self-analytic looks at what they did and, and how they did it. Um, no question. But you're right. You have to ask yourself this question. Would you rather have a new defensive coordinator that has different things to learn that we still have to suffer through for them? Or would you rather have Leslie Frazier, who has gone through this with this team and learned the lessons that the entire team and franchise have learned on the way to get here? Uh, you don't know what – if you're going to change coordinators, what are you going to have to find out about that coordinator that you have to fix? Um, you know, I mean, so, yeah. I, I think the guys who have suffered through this and gone through it together – learn more and move further down the road and are worth hanging in there with because they, they have not fallen on their faces. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, one bad game at the end of the season, certainly it's crushing and it, and it costs you an opportunity for the Super Bowl. But these are guys that, you know, put together one of the really good seasons in Bill's history, overcoming some obstacles that not too many other coaching staffs have ever had to put, th put up with and put their team out there and, and gotten a bunch of wins. Can they be better? Yeah, I mean, they'll tell you that themselves. But let's let them be better for Buffalo, not for some other team. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll hear from a couple of prospective free agents for the Bills, Devin Singletary and Jamison Crowder. We'll get to them next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Back here on One Bills Live on a Buffalo Football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. Bills locker clean-out day. And we want to get some comments from the players, most notably some of the prospective free agents, one of whom is running back Devin Singletary. His rookie contract is up. He is scheduled to become a free agent in the offseason. Let's hear his comments here on locker clean-out day. I guess it's fairly obvious, but you know, what, what is the feeling in the locker room today, kind of the reaction to how the season ends like this? Sick, just sick. That's the best way to put it, man. It's just a sick feeling. How how, uh, how interested are you to see what your market's going to be in March? Um, yeah, man. See see what I'm worth to people. You know, um, I guess it's exciting. I guess in a way, um, but I don't know if that's the best choice of words. But um, we'll we'll see. We'll see. What is it you want? You know, what are the things that are at the top of your list for for where you go or what you do next? I don't know, man. I ain't, to be honest, I ain't even think that far yet. Um, to be honest, I ain't think the season was going to be over, so I, I thought I still had time to think about it. Um, but I got time to think about it now, so I'll just be thinking about that for, for a few days. How much would you like to be back here, knowing that you know there is a, a young guy they just drafted this mm -hmm. year who had a pretty good year like you did, and 
you know, you know how it works in this league. Yeah, um, I mean, I love to be back here. You know, I love Buffalo, um, but you know, it's a business. So see how I play out. Just a level of disappointment, just knowing what this whole team went through and to have it end like with a thud yeah, like that. It's, it's at all time high. It's at all time high. What's the biggest thing you can take away from this season? Everything that you guys kind of went through, it feels like you haven't been able to process it, and now you can just kind of sit back. What will you take away from it? Um, and this league, you got to be a fighter. Um, this group of guys uh, learned a lot about ourselves. Like I said, we went through a lot this year. Um, we could have easily just laid down early on and, and went separate ways, but we banded together. Um, really just we some fighters. That's that's the best way to put it, we some fighters. This offense kind of ended with a, a game that was not typical of this season. You know, is it how much do you look at this game and think maybe things need to be different next year? How significant do things need to be different with this offense going forward? Yeah, um, We'll see. I mean, that's all I can say, man. We'll see. <laughs> How important is this offseason for you? You know, running backs in this league, mm-hmm. you know, don't hang around too long. And, you know, this is this yeah. is the contract year. You know, I mean, there's so much on the line. You know, how, how do you approach it knowing, you know, what's in, what's going to happen this year and what it means to your, your future? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to approach it how I always approach it. Um, I mean, I learned, I learned a lot this year, so it might be better. I'll approach it better, I feel like. But um, I feel like I always had a – good approach when it comes to getting prepared, you know, for the for the season and, and what's to come. So um I think it I think it'll be a good off season. Were you happy with your season overall, production wise? Um, yeah. You know, with the opportunities that I had, um I feel like I made the most out of it. Did you feel you had enough opportunities? Yeah. Um it's tough with this team, you know, we got a lot of playmakers, so I mean I would say, you know, I feel like I had a fair amount. Now being back here, having kind of 12 hours or, or so to kind of process what happened, is there any less emotion today, or where are you at? No, nah, I'm still. It's still sick. It's probably gonna take me a week or so to get over it, but um, yeah, I'm still sick about it. Um, we wasn't expecting to be going home, going on vacation. You know, we was ready to be in Atlanta. Um, that's that's really what it was. As far as the the loss or yeah. just um, that's not really much you could say that's gonna you know make anyone feel better or or anything. So nah, it wasn't really much said. Talk about feeling sick. Is it is it a different feeling than the last two, or is it you know same old same old? Yeah, it's just you know got to get over that hump. You know, we we haven't got over the hump yet. All right, that's Devin Singletary addressing the media. He is a prospective free agent, said he really hasn't thought about free agency, thought they'd still be playing. Obviously, that's not the case. He'll think about it now, said he would like to be back in Buffalo, but understands that it is a business. Uh, We are going to get back to the phones here now and take a few more calls because we got some people waiting for us. And so we'll get to those calls and get to Jamison Crowder in the next segment as he addressed the media as well. He signed a one-year contract, and he too will be a free agent come this offseason, so we'll get to him shortly. But in the meantime, we go to Bob in Rochester next. What do you got for us, Bob? You're on One Bills Live. Hi, guys. I just want to make a couple comments and hear you uh, respond after I hang up. Sure. Um, uh, I 
a couple people said we can't fire a coach because of a one game meet jerk reaction. And somebody said, you know, we had a 13 and three record, but the ultimate goal is not to have a winning record. It's to win a Super Bowl. And as far as a knee jerk reaction, the, I'm not, I'm not really not happy with the performance of Dorsey. He's to start with, he had no offensive coordinator experience before he was promoted. And the Bills offense had no identity the entire season. Like, you don't know who the top receivers are. We already know Diggs is the best. He's a superstar. And he is him. So why aren't we getting Diggs the ball every game? He shouldn't be, you know, shouting at Josh and coaches on the sidelines to get the ball. He's a superstar. We need to get him the ball. And as far as our offensive plays, they're designed with Josh to stay in the pocket too long. That's why he runs out of it so fast and starts looking for people. Look what Cincinnati did with uh, Burl. Bing, 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 bing. Off his hand, fast. And they're off. Like, that's what we need to do. And uh, I'll hang up and listen, okay? Thank you. Yep, sure thing, Bob. I, I'm just going to say this. Um, yeah, I know you're talking about 13-3 and record isn't the ultimate goal. It's to win the Super Bowl. Well, you better have a record like that if you want to have a chance to win the Super Bowl because unless you're one of the top three seeds, it's going to be a very difficult road to hoe to get to the AFC title game, let alone the Super Bowl. That's number one. Number two, this team was second in the league in scoring and first in the league in third down conversions. They were also a top ten red zone offense unit, something they weren't under Brian Dayball. So, you know, you can, you can throw stones at Ken Dorsey all you want, but for a first-year coordinator who, to your point, had never done it before, those are pretty good figures as far as I'm concerned. Now, you want to talk about getting the ball to Stephon Diggs? You'd be 100% right. His targets in the second half dropped by 50% in the second half of the season. Why? Because other teams got wise to what their approach was going to be, which was get the ball to Diggs. The problem was when the Bills had to turn to other answers – in, in their receiving core with some measure of consistency, they quickly found out they did not have that consistency within their receiving core. And that's why in this offseason, they're going to have to get a lot more weapons to catch up to the Bengals and the Chiefs. That's kind of how I see it. And yesterday, you're right. Fourth and six, game on the line, got to get in the end zone, you throw it to your best receiver. And that's when he blew, his, that's when he blew a gasket because he's lofting a pass in the end zone to Gabe Davis when he should be throwing it to Diggs there. I will agree with you on that. Fourth and six, end zone, throw it to your best guy. Yeah, and, and I know, too, it's it's not about the regular season. But the regular season is an indicator of the kind of roster, the kind of offense, and the kind of defense you've got, the kind of players you've got, the kind of team you have. The regular season shows everybody that. The Bills were at the top of the conference, uh, at, at the very top of the conference. And to say that your coordinators stink is just flat wrong. Uh, certainly, we have seen signs that in big moments, catastrophic things happen. Um, you, can, you can go back and look and, and maybe game-changing plays or decisions here, a fourth down, you know, people are, are crushing them for not going for it on fourth and what it's fourth and six or something in their own end. All that stuff. All those coaching decisions after the fact, I, I get it. Uh, but you've got a team that went 13 and three 
got you to the division round of the playoffs on a seven-game, eight-game winning streak to the divisional round, I have a hard time poking holes in it. Certainly because the, the competition level jumps to the divisional round. The wild card round, you can make what you, you, what, what you want of. You I mean, we had Skylar Thompson for the Miami Dolphins and a couple of other guys. I don't know. I can't remember who the other backup quarterbacks were on the other side. You know, they weren't. But when you get to the divisional round, these are good teams playing well with great players. It's harder to win. And in a game like yesterday, when the team doesn't show up like it did, yeah, that's that's hard to that's hard to take as a fan base and as a team, as players and as coaches. Um, but it's not because they don't have the right people in the right spots. It's because you know that's for a ton of reasons. It's hard to even put your finger on. I, as a former player, it's hard to put your finger on them. I mean, I went I went to four Super Bowls in a row, and we lost them all in different ways. Uh, it's a crusher, and it's hard to put your finger on just exactly why your mentality was in the completely wrong spot to go in and compete in a game. Because we we played one of those games where we were just off our rocker as a team, and we lost fifty two seventeen. I think it's hard it's hard to get your mind around why things happen the way they do. But it's not a sign that you don't have the right people in the right spots. And the problem is this. And this is a problem for, I guess, for somebody like Terry Pagula, because all of us are just, we're like owners just because we're talking about it, right? Do you want to take a step backwards? Because you're going to take it, if you, it's hard not to think you're going to take a step backwards if you switch out coordinators on either side of the ball. You're going to take a step backwards at least for a little bit. And I don't know that this team wants to take a step backwards when they're, when they're so close to being exactly where they want to be. Um, that's a hard that's a hard pill to swallow for me sitting where I'm sitting today. Break time for us here. More of your calls, and we hear from Jamison Crowder, another prospective free agent here on Locker Cleanout Day on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as we close out our number two. And we do that by going back around the locker room with Jamison Crowder, a prospective free agent for the Bills who addressed the media today. A little disappointed that I didn't get opportunity to get back out there, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Just, you know, one of the things, one of the cards I was dealt this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you have a conversation with doctors? I mean, how, how close did it get to... To you being available to be on a, on a field this week last weekend? I, mean, I thought it got very close. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, obviously, if we would have won yesterday, um, you know, potentially there was a chance I could have played next week. So, um, yeah, I was I was close though. You know, I felt I was back practicing and um, I was feeling you know pretty good. How frustrating was it to, to get close and not be able to, to get back on the field? Uh, I mean, it's frustrating. I mean, I think you know, for any any uh, player, you know, that that that, that has dealt with a, a, an ankle injury or just any injury um, in general, you know, what I'm saying um, where you were, where you where you had to have surgery and stuff like that to be able to, you know, at least give myself a shot, um, and uh, obviously come up a little short. Um, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. How about your future? Um, you know, you're a free agent now. Would you want to be back here next year? Yeah, um, yeah, I would want to. Um, like I was saying, like I told the other reporters, um, I feel like, you know, here's um, 
you know, probably the best situation I've been in as far as like an organization standpoint um, in my eight-year career. So mm -hmm. I would definitely love to be back. What makes you say that after only being here for one year and then really not playing a whole lot in that year? Yeah, I mean, it was just, um, you know, just the just day-to-day, the -day, man, just the, the small things, um, you know, how they orchestrate, how they um, go about their business here. Um, you know, I've been in some places where a lot, a lot of distractions and stuff like that was going on. Um, so, I mean, you know, just, just that. And then obviously the talent, the skill set on this team, um, you know, was, was, was really good. So, um, you know, why not, um, you know, give another shot if I can. What was your reaction to kind of how this team reacted to, you know, falling short in the playoffs yesterday? Um, I mean, it's tough, you know what I'm saying? It's, um, you know, just one of those things where, you know, we feel like we had a really good shot to uh, um, obviously contend, uh, you know, reach, reach that Super Bowl or reach the next round. And uh, we just came up a little short yesterday. Jameson, I apologize. We just came over a little bit late. But it does seem like you would be interested in coming back next year if possible? Yeah, for sure, 100%. Um, you know, like I said, I feel like, you know, it's a, it's a good spot, good place here. Um, and I'm definitely, you know, interested in coming back. All right, so that is Jamison Crowder saying he'd be willing to come back and probably take care of some unfinished business for him. Guy went out with a busted ankle in week four and couldn't get back on the field, although he did say there that had he and had the Bills advanced to the conference championship game, he might have had a shot of coming off injured reserve and participating in that game down in Atlanta if, in fact, it came to pass. That wasn't to be, and so now he is a prospective free agent. We'll see what the Bills decide to do. They do need to add weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe bringing him back into the fold is part of that equation. We will have to wait and see. We are going to take a break here. When we come back, hour number three begins with Bills radio color analyst Eric Wood, who will give us his thoughts on his view from the radio broadcast booth on yesterday's game. We'll do that next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Here we be in hour number three on a Buffalo Football Monday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you and joined as we usually are after games in hour number three on a Monday by Bill's radio color analyst Eric Wood, who watched that thing from start to finish with the rest of you uh, watching at home on TV or in the stadium at Highmark Stadium. Eric, how we doing here the day after what was a disappointing performance by the bills yeah i would say i'm still disappointed and um you know it's just uh this this day after the final game of the season everyone in the league at some point besides the super bowl champion has a disappointing next day and that's where we sit here today as bills fans as bills employees or bills media people and you know it's um it, it was a shame that the Bills couldn't come out and put forth a better product on the field yesterday because 
you know, yes, they, at times it looked like they were overmatched by the Bills yesterday. But when you look at those rosters, when you looked at the game coming into it, it didn't appear like it was going to be that way. The Bills were the the betting favorite coming into the game, the point spread, five, six points. And so to come out and lay an egg like the Bills did yesterday, it happens. It's, it's just unfortunate. It's disappointing. And it was right from the jump. And, you know, after the game, I saw where Matt Milano said, you know, the energy just wasn't there. And I heard Josh say today, you know, energy comes with execution. And uh, I talked about it on my podcast centered on Buffalo, you know, what Matt Milano said with that would like, there's not energy like that's in the moment after the game. I, I don't want it to seem like the bills weren't prepared to come out with energy that they weren't excited for this game, but man, you just get the wind completely taken out of your sails when they, take the ball right down the field without even having a third down in the first drive of the game. You go three and out. They march right back down the field, only one third down on their second possession of the game, back-to-back touchdowns on what appear to be blown coverages. And, man, now you're just fighting uphill the entire rest of the game. The Bengals, for the majority of the time, just made it look so easy on offense. It seemed like even when the Bills were getting the ball back down 10 in that final two-minute drill before the end of the first half. It just felt like even if the Bills could get back into it there, cut the lead, get the ball coming out of the half with a chance to take the lead, it just felt like it was so much harder on the Bills to execute in that game than it was for the Bengals. And there is something in that, though. I mean, it it just looked like the Bills, for lack of a better way, it just lacked that energy. There was an attitude that the Bengals had, and and, you know, laughably or whatever – just or unjustly, they came in fired up about the the, the neutral site game tickets, and and I you know as well as I do, as players you you conjure up all the disrespect you can from anybody and everybody from the most remote sources ever, you know, and you, you kind of do have to jump through mental hoops to get there because the Bengals are selling tickets too, for goodness sake. So you get you go through that, but it really in this case. And I've been part of teams that were like that. It does make a difference when that team comes in feeling disrespected with something to prove, with an enormous chip on their shoulder, and the Bills are fighting really to come up with even any animosity towards the Cincinnati Bengals, right? I mean, this is the town, the t- you know, they treated you know, DeMar and the Bills fans love Cincinnati. It was this love fest, and we really appreciated it, and rightfully so, all the stuff that happened with the game on Monday night. The Bengals come in angry and disrespected and the bills come in you know like gosh it's good to see you guys kind of thing right yeah i i don't know from the bills perspective and i'm sure you conjure up things you know i was saying um on the on the round table before the game because i was just like you said steve talking about ways to get you fired up for a game I would figure out a way to hate the nose guard I was going against each and every week or their linebackers or their defense and find something. And, and I'm using it with the guys up front. And the way Hendrickson rolled into Josh's ankle in the first matchup in that nine minutes of game action, the way Hayden Hurst took his forearm to the back of Terrence Johnson's head when he was already on the ground and he ended up getting concussed, to me, that would be enough to get a little bit of extra chip on your shoulder. Like, hey, we owe these guys one. Yes, it was this love fest after the game. There was a lot of class shown by both teams, both coaches, the captains, in, in agreeing that they weren't going to play um, after DeMar Hamlin was injured and, and had the cardiac event on the field. 
But the Bengals, I mean, starting with the ruling the following week that it would be a coin toss uh, if they lost to the Ravens on who would host. So then now uh, they had to go out and play their starters a week 18, which they may not have had to do otherwise, you know, into that game against the Ravens where they felt disrespected. Then all week, all everybody talked about was the offensive linemen that were out for them, how bad they played against Baltimore and Baltimore's with their backup quarterback. And they came in with a chip on their shoulder and they executed. And that's the name of the ball game. They executed their schemes. They played aggressive and they executed in the snow. And, and I'm not sure uh, we mentioned it from the start of the game yesterday, Brownie. It just seemed like the bills and whether it's a confidence issue or cause I, I, I understand that both teams have the ability to wear whatever they're, they're going to give them the best footwear, the best cleats, uh, that's possible in the snow with the weather. And so I don't know if it was a confidence thing where maybe you're on your heels as a defensive back worried about Chase or Higgins blowing past you. So maybe you look a little hesitant. Whatever the case was, they just handled the elements early a lot better than the Bills as well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I actually asked Coach McDermott after the game if there was unsure footing for the defensive players and if that forced them to play more conservatively in coverage and he just dismissed it out of hand saying we don't make excuses. So take that for what it's worth. Um, right. You could say we don't make excuses, and I respect Coach for saying that, but it could also be an issue. We saw it with our own eyes. Yeah. Like there was Guys there was a footing over. issue. I mean, Naeem Hines and James Cook both slipped on the same play, and it just, you know, there there was a footing issue out there. It just seemed like – it was affecting us more than them. And like I said, it could be a confidence issue where you're worried about it and you're kind of worried about maybe giving up a big play or whatever it may be defensively. But that's a part of the reason for so many missed tackles in the game was unsure footing. I know that uh, we had a situation, you know, three weeks ago that affected this team deeply on an emotional level and understandably so. They seem to rally from that the following week and beat the Patriots with some help from special teams and two return touchdowns to beat New England. The following week, they hang on to beat a team with a third-string quarterback in the wild-card playoff game. When you see the way they came out yesterday, is it hard not to think that their emotional gas tank was just completely empty and getting up for an all-important playoff game while hard for fans to fathom, it they just they were just riding on E. They had nothing left to give because this is a team that lost three games by a combined eight points, and now they get blown out by 17 and they're never in the game. It just doesn't line up with everything else we've seen this season. Yeah, I think there could be some merit to that. And I don't know that we ever get that true answer because the guys aren't going to make excuses either. But dating all the way back to the shooting in May and running through all the events, which have been, doc, you know, we've talked about that plenty, but with Kim Pagula being sick and Dawson Knox's brother passing in the snowstorms and getting stuck on Christmas in Chicago to the snowstorm and losing over 40 people uh, lose their lives in the city of Buffalo, DeMar Hamlet. There's so, you know, the injuries, the key guys, you know, you, you lose Michael or Micah early in the season, Dane Jackson in the ambulance. There is so much adversity that hit this team. And yes, at some point, yes, you may be emotionally, physically, mentally 
drained. We talked about the 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 bye week, the Bills losing a chance to get that one seed in the playoffs and how valuable that could have been. Well, for a team that needs a break, a, a, a reset, that could have been very valuable. Obviously, the game got canceled, and and, and that's not the, the top priority. DeMar Hamlin being healthy and being safe um in progressing is is the most important thing through the through, through all that situation but i say i think you do have a great point there chris that these guys could be just hit on e and when you start the game like they did it just kind of stopped uh it just kind of steamrolled on them so at this point you, you see you have a big snapshot of what the season was and it, you know, after a game like yesterday, and we see it, and we hear it after every loss at some level, where, you know, catastrophic change is needed, kind of thing. How difficult is it to remember how good this team really is after a game like that yesterday, and how, you know, how good they had to be just to get in that game? And certainly that was as bad a game as we've seen them play in two years. Um, how big a reaction do you expect? after a game like that uh that that's that's time to time will tell that i mean when you look at the way this roster is built they win 13 games this year um come into the season as a betting favorite to win the super bowl josh allen's a betting favorite to win the mvp this isn't a team that needs an overhaul per se does there need to be some fine tuning yes did you bring in von miller and daquan jones and the other guys along the defensive line to, to prevent a situation like yesterday or prevent a situation like the last two years where you couldn't pressure a quarterback in the playoffs. And then Daquan and Von Miller are both out for the game yesterday, which affects the game. And so to me, there's, there's things that need to be addressed and every team goes into the off season needing to address things, needing to get better. And we have an entire off season to talk about what those specifically are. But when you are looking at, this roster, this organization, this coaching staff, in my opinion, you have a 13 and three team. And look, you're going to be going against Mahomes and you're going to be going against Burrow. And now you got Lawrence and Herbert. You have all this young talent in the AFC. Yes, you need to keep getting better and better each and every season, fine tuning, learning, and, and everything that coach talks about um, in, in that continued growth. But I don't think an overhaul get you over the hump necessarily but there definitely are areas to be addressed like all teams are looking at right now and eric flipping that forward it's hard not to think that the bills could use an influx of or, or an investment i should say on the offensive side of the ball because right now you could argue that joe burrow has better weapons and a better o-line than buffalo Kansas City has a better O-line and better weapons than Buffalo. Jacksonville is closing the gap in those two areas. And San and I almost said San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers have better receivers top to bottom than I think the Bills do. And their offensive line has seen investments in the form of first-round picks like their left tackle Rashawn Slater. So the Bills look as though they need to invest heavily in their offensive line and weapons going forward, if they're going to keep pace with the other powers in the AFC going forward. Yeah, I think when you look at this season, when they came into it, Jameson Crowder gets hurt. So that affects part of your plan. 
but they had high hopes for Gabe Davis and Isaiah McKenzie. And those guys are still young. Those guys can continue to develop and continue to get better. But when you look at the weapons on offense, they, they, they need more playmakers on the outside and, and guys that can step up in big moments. And they just didn't have that outside of Stefan Diggs on a consistent basis this year. Now they have young talent, Knox still getting better, finished the season very well. Yeah. And so they do have, uh, they do have young guys that are continuing to get better. Shakir got better as the year went on as well. But yes, there there needs to be some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. And then I think both the lines, you know, you you just got to analyze it. And and when you're looking at the Bills and how they're structured, they put so much investment and in draft capital into that defensive line, into defensive players. Uh, you know, first rounder and Kyrie Elam last year at cornerback. I, I do believe it's in time to invest in the offense. You have Josh Allen in the prime of his career right now. Give him weapons and say, look, we've invested on the defensive side of the ball. Now we're going to give Josh Allen the, the best opportunity we can and maybe take a little pressure off him as well. And look, when you have one of the top quarterbacks in the league, a lot of it's going to be on him. And I'm not sitting here saying I want this to turn into a – you know, completely balanced attack on offense with run and pass, but just working in some screen, like improving the screen game, some design rollouts, which they got to some this year, the play action game, the RPO, just taking some pressure off him at times, I believe is key moving forward, which will create more consistency. And then maybe in the playoffs, give you more answers in a game like yesterday, where you're really struggling to find any rhythm. We were talking earlier in the show, Eric, about philosophies, about building rosters. And you look around, like like Kansas City, you can make the argument that they'll build their offense and take what's left over and just live with the defense that they have, right? Um, and and other ways of doing it as well, like Baltimore, they're gonna they're gonna grind with the way they're built around Lamar. They're gonna grind it out on the ground, play absolutely huge defense, and hold the game down close. So that kind of thing. The way the Giants won games this year uh, by doing things the way they did philosophically what do you do with when you've got an atomic weapon like josh don't you want to build it around him and his skill set and if you do which i yeah of course well what do you do with that defensive side of the ball how much of your you know your your assets and you got two ones and two twos on the defensive end spot and and you sign von miller that's a lot of assets on that side of the ball up front. And certainly it made a difference on, in the run game, at least the defensive tackle acquisitions did. So what's your philosophy on, you know, continuing to build the roster? Do you just say, you know, listen, we got this guy taking snaps. Let's give – let's put all our eggs into that basket and let's see if teams can keep up. Yeah, I think I think you need to. I think you need to surround him with weapons, put the best offensive line you can in front of him, and you can only pay so many people, and the Bills are going to have to make some decisions this offseason, whether it's Poyer, whether it's Tremaine Edmonds, and, and re-signing guys, they're going to have some tough decisions to make. But, but I truly do feel like if I'm building a team to compete in the AFC right now, you're going to have to surround your quarterback with weapons because you have to keep pace with these offenses, and then you've got to be able to affect the passer. And, yes, the Bills got the ball – ran down their throat yesterday, and that was an issue as well. But when you're looking at affecting quarterbacks with a four-man rush, the Bills, although they're playing without Daquan Jones and without Von Miller, were unable to affect Burrow yesterday. And you just you have to be able to do that to win games in the playoffs and, and win them consistently. 
Eric, thanks uh, for all your input this season. We appreciate uh, you visiting with us every Monday after Bill's games or on different days when they played on different days. We appreciate it. Enjoy uh, some well-deserved time off. We'll catch up with you in August. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. I, I hope to see uh, see your faces, and uh, I'll talk to you before then, I'm sure. But yeah. uh, in, in, enjoy this time. Uh, hopefully you guys can get away at some point, and uh, hopefully the callers take it easy on you. <laughs> well, we're all in it together, you know. We're getting through it, and we all process it differently, you know. we got to just, you know. It's a therapy Monday. Full of, be full of grace and love for all the people who process it with anger and frustration, so – just put yeah. your arm around them. Yeah. And then you know what? I'm generally a positive glass half full type of guy. Uh, and this season, you know, extremely grateful the, for the opportunity to call games with the Bills, to um, be affiliated with the team, to be around such a special organization. I'm appreciative of all the relationships and everything that comes with it. And I can tell you I'm crushed today. I, I honestly am. I was crushed last night. I'm crushed for the city and, you know, even dating back to May, I thought, man, this team can do something special for this city. And then for all the city went through this year, for it to end in the disappointment it did yesterday at home, uh, you know, I'm crushed. I'm crushed for everyone involved. But the Bills are one of the most consistent franchises in sports right now. They're built for the future. They have so much young talent on the roster and our man 17 at quarterback. So there are brighter days ahead. These off seasons are long. And and it's it, it stinks, and you don't get to pick back up at the divisional round. You got to do it all over again and take care of business in the regular season. But man, um, it, it was a special run this year. And I'll tell you what, when you're 13 and three, it's pretty fun. It makes it easy to call the game. So uh, I appreciate you guys, appreciate the team, appreciate the organization, and I'll, I will talk to you guys soon. All right, Alrighty. thanks again, Eric. Thanks, Eric. That's Eric Wood joining us here, Bills Radio Color Analyst, obviously former Bills Center for a long time here in Buffalo. And yeah, I mean, we're all feeling that today. The whole thing stinks. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, we wanted, we wanted to keep playing football obviously and keep watching games and see how far this team could go. But yeah, there were, there were cracks in the armor due to injuries, due to emotional setbacks, like the DeMar Hamlin situation where his life was literally at stake and it all kind of adds up and weighs on you and, and makes the task all the more difficult. Again, this team is not going to make excuses, and I don't expect Sean McDermott to either when he addresses the media at 4 o'clock this afternoon for his season wrap-up comments. Um, but those things are very real. Um, you know, And everybody deals with it in a different way, and unfortunately, on an important day in the playoffs, the Bills didn't have the energy to deal with that game. It was clear. Uh, we are going to take a break here because when we come back, Von Miller addressed the media on Locker Cleanout Day. Haven't heard from him in a little while, so we'd like to get his thoughts as he heads into the offseason with a rehab assignment on tap after undergoing knee surgery. Von Miller coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. As we told you before the break, Von Miller addressed the media on Locker Cleanout Day. He's got a long rehabilitation ahead of him this offseason. He shed some light on what that might entail, along with his outlook for this football team going forward. Here is Von Miller. Von, you 
been to the top of the mountain and you've gone through these types of things before. What can you say to this group, knowing where they got and were not able to get past this? I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think it's a blessing for these guys to, you know, not be, not see the mountaintop and end like this, you know, um, because when you've been there and you've seen it, like it's a lot more depressing, you know, it's, it's a lot more, um, you know, it's, it's on you a little bit more when you. So for me last year, we just won a Super Bowl. We didn't even have, you know, exit meetings or anything like that. We were celebrating, you know, parades and, you know, all of that stuff. And, you know, I think once you've experienced that and then you don't uh, make it to the playoffs or you don't have the type of success that you uh, that you want in the playoffs, like, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tougher, I feel like. Um, but for 31 teams, they're gonna, 31 teams in the National Football League are going to feel like this. And, um, you know, my message to the guys was, you know, as competitors, Whenever you lose, you know, you, you, you go back to the drawing board and you're like, oh, I got to make some changes. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like, I need to work harder. Like, you know, all of, you, you should always debrief. Um, but I honestly feel like we're in a unique spot here. And um, we got a great football team. We got great coaches. We got great staff, great players. And, you know, sometimes, you know, more isn't always the answer. Sometimes you just got to just keep playing, you know. Sometimes you just got to line back up, give us another year, and, and to just go through it again. Um, we lost four games. We lost four games this whole entire year. Four games out of nine, was it 19 games that we played? And we lost four of those games. You know, and um, we, had a, we had a great season. We had a great year. Um, you know, of course, it, it didn't end like we wanted it to. Um, but. I, you know, I came here to have multiple shots at winning the Super Bowl. I came here, you know, this wasn't my, I didn't feel like, you know, this would be my only shot like this one year. I felt like I had multiple shots at the Super Bowl by the, the way this team was built, by, you know, our quarterback, our defense. I felt like I had, you know, multiple chances at the Super Bowl, and, and I still feel like that, man. And, you know, I feel like I've been a part of this team. I feel like I've been in this community for years. Um, I feel like I've been knowing Coach Washington and Brandon Bean and Coach Frazier and Coach McDermott. And, and Nate Bresky and, and Tabani, I've been feeling like I've been knowing these guys for years. You know, and I, only, I have only, we only been working, really the work time has only been a couple of months that I've been around these guys. So I'm super excited to, for year two with the Buffalo Bills, I'm super excited to line back up and do it all over again. I'm super excited to get back to, to Rochester and go through training camp and, you know, to be healthy again. So I'm, I'm super excited, man. And just because we lost to the to the Bengals, it, it doesn't diminish the type of team that we have. It, do, it doesn't diminish, you know, our position in this league. We we have a really good team, and you know, our, our window is still open, man. And it's you know, brighter days are uh, are definitely ahead for us. Guys are still searching for answers, though, and you found them in certain instances. What do you tell them to kind of fill in those gaps to to kind of? answer some of those questions for them? Well, I got a lot of answers. What answer do you want? You want that? Which answer do you want? You want to answer? I'm talking about to my teammates. Whatever, whatever my teammates looking for while we lost yesterday, you know, we we got down by 14 points early in the game um, versus a really good Cincinnati Bengals team. They were able to run the ball and move the ball, not big chunks down the field. They had those, but um, they were able to move the ball consistently. Um, they were able to run the, run the ball consistently. We weren't able to run the ball or convert consistently. Um, we got down by 14 points early in the game. 14 points with snow on the ground, and you're trying to make a, uh, a drastic comeback against a good team. You know, you know it's tough. It's tough, and um, that's the reality of it. it. All four teams that played, 
you know, yesterday and this weekend, you know, anybody can beat anybody. You know, it's not one team that, you know, of course you got favors and stuff, but all four of the teams, whether it's the Jags, the Bengals, us, or, or the Chiefs, like, you know, any of those teams could have won. Any of those teams has the potential to be the AFC champion and go to the Super Bowl. It was just, you know, yesterday was, wasn't our day. And it, it started early, and, you know, we were reeling after that and weren't able to get our feet back under us. Um, you know, when, when you got uh, when you're up by 14 points and it's snow on the ground, like we playing the snow, but when you're up by 14 points and you uh, we're trying to push the ball down the field and make big chunk plays, like you know, nine times out of ten, it's, it's tough to it's tough to do that. And of course, we're 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 we know how to play in the snow and all that stuff. But you know, I, I don't think it would have mattered if we had snowshoes on out there yesterday. Like it, they got up by 14 points and it was going to be tough to to win that game. So. Um, if you're looking, any of my other teammates that's that's looking for a- answers on what to do next, like, you know, my my passion has always been football. You know, I do this uh, better than I do anything else in life. Like, I, I, I'm a great teammate. Um, I, I know that for a fact. I'm a great teammate. I work hard. Um, and if you're looking for what to do next, just just do that. You know, continue to work, continue to grind, um, continue to just uh, let your love for this game. You know, lead you um, for 31 other teams. They're going 31 other teams going to feel like this, and then in, in, in six months it's going to be a new. In, in six months we're getting ready to get back and try to find a new Super Bowl champion. So we can't, uh, you know, let that loss yesterday um, create a loss for us in the off season or let it carry over into, you know, this next season. We, we just got to keep pushing, man. And you know, year 12, I just got to. I just got a different perspective, man, and there's no other place, no other team that I would want to be on right now, man. I still, um, I'm still super excited about our window here with the Buffalo Bills. I'm still excited for our shot. We didn't get it this year, but you know, better days are, are coming for sure. How's your, how's your rehab going, and what's the timeline now as you kind of start eyeing next season? Um, so six, I think it was, uh, I think I'm at six weeks. I'm at six weeks, which it feels like. I mean, I feel like I had, it feels like months ago, but I'm, um, you know, the biological clock is at six weeks. Um, you know, I, you know, it's I think at 13 weeks you can start running and stuff. But honestly, I walk around and I do rehab and stuff, and I, I just the, where I am mentally, I just try not to just think about it. I go through my rehab. I try to be as bright as, as I possibly can. Um, I think uh, your mental state is a huge part of any type of rehab like this. It's not like a four month. Like a four-week process where you just got to do this and do that. Like it's, you know, they say it's nine months. Hopefully, I can do it in like you know six or 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 seven or something like that. But you know, it's nine months, and nine months will put me right at uh, August. So right at the beginning of the training camp, you know, I should be ready to go. You were, you know, you were the GM hat in the off season. You've been here for four years. You know what, what this team obviously need to get over that hump. What uh, would you be? What would you, would you be recruiting in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, if it's whatever they need me to be, I'm a great recruiter. Now, I mean, I missed out on Odell Beckham, but that's really, <laughs> that's really it. And you know, I don't think the door's closed for Odell either, though. So, you know, um, we got a great team here, man. We are in great position. Um, you know, after this this Super Bowl is over, man, we got a we got a great team coming back. We got Josh Allen. If, if he's not the best quarterback in the league, he's he's number two. And if he's not number two, he's number three. And we all know that those rankings rotate weekly. So we got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Got a great defense. We got great skill players all over the place. We got great coaches, man. Coach Washington, um, I really enjoy, you know, being around Coach Washington. Um, 
you know, he's super intelligent. It wasn't one game um, that I came into, that I played this season where I felt um, unprepared or I felt like it was it was something that wasn't covered. Or when we played the team, everything that, that we that they showed us, everything that we did, I felt prepared for. And that was a uh, that was uh, due to Coach Washington and and, uh, and Coach uh, Marcus West. And this is my first time being in the meeting room with with uh, the D tackles and the defensive ends. Usually, I'm in, I'm with the outside linebackers or I'm with the uh, you know the the Mike, the Will, and the Sam. I'm in the linebacker room. So this is my first year out of 12 years being in there with the D tackles and DNs, man. And it was it was a it was a special time for sure. Um, great group of guys, you know, funny group of guys. They're a little weird too, but you know, I, you know, I really enjoyed being around those guys, man. It was it was a really really fun year. Um, we lost four games this whole entire year, man. So can't let those d- diminish us, man. And we just got to keep going. And you know, for me, I, you know, I like I said at the beginning, if I'm putting my GM hat on, like I know um, by being there, by going to the Super Bowl twice, really three times. Went to the Super Bowl three times. It's, it's just the element of luck that's involved, man. Like, you got to go all season long, try to avoid injuries. Um, you need a couple of plays to go your way, a couple of calls to go your way. Um, you know, it, it's not like basketball where you got seven games to get it to get it done. We're the best out of four. Like, you could be the best team, you know, all year. You could be 17, 18, and 0. Then you play this one team and you you could lose. Like, that's that's what makes football great, man. And we got a great team. We're, we got a great chemistry, great culture here. And I, I'm, you know, if I'm putting my GM hat on, I just want to line this team back up. Of course, you want to tweak some things. Of course, you know, it's, you got to debrief and see what you did great and see what you didn't do great and, you know, address those things. But I'm super excited to see this uh, this Bills team come back out there, get some guys back healthy again. You know, I'll come back, man. And, and if I'm putting my GM hat on, just I want to line it up. Same team, same coaching staff. Same fans, same energy, and lining back up, and let's do it again. All right, that's Von Miller addressing the media here on Locker Cleanout Day. He has a long rehab ahead of him this offseason following knee surgery. There is another player who's got an offseason surgery coming up, Jordan Phillips telling the media today that he suffered a torn rotator cuff in the December 1st game against the Patriots back in Week 13, and he will have to have surgery on that, but he intends to be ready for training camp next summer. He also, of course, is a prospective free agent after signing a one-year deal this past offseason, but clearly he's already thinking, Bills, I want to be back. We'll see if the two sides can come together on a new agreement. So that's uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of today. As we said, Sean McDermott will be addressing the media with his season wrap-up press conference at 4 p.m. today. Yeah, we'll have parts of that tomorrow i'm sure you'll hear yeah, we'll all it about up. it now you'll probably be able to see it on the local news as well it'll be a big deal when sean finally speaks to the media um after 24 hours after the loss you know it's tough we we came in today brownie knowing it was going to be a tough day and it is i mean bill's fans are bumming and and they should and the t- but let me tell you the team is you can tell the players are bummed they're disappointed uh I know this too. As a guy who lived through the disappointment of four Super Bowls, you're a little embarrassed, you know, the way you, you know you didn't play well, you, and you were you felt like you were better than you got a chance to prove. It's a really tough day for everybody. I'll say this though: in the aftermath of yesterday's loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, um, and you kind of take a big snapshot of where the season has come. Um, certainly disappointed as everybody else is. But the one thing I, I got take away from this season is how proud I am of not only, you know, the Bills as an organization, a team, 
but the city of Buffalo and the fan base. Uh, our town was put in a spotlight for a lot of the wrong reasons uh, because of DeMar Hamlin's tragedy, Kim Pagula, Luke Knox, uh, Jefferson Avenue, and our fan base and our city have risen to it in, in, on every occasion. We have shown ourselves to be selfless, uh, empathetic, full of grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. And I'm very proud of our city for doing that and our fan base. Our fan base continues to be philanthropic, putting their arms around not only their own players, but the players on other teams who have proven themselves worthy and given them reason to do so. The DeMar Hamlin incident put the Bills fan base and their organization and the city on full display and in the spotlight. And I thought our fans, our city, and our team carried it off spotlessly. Uh, and that's what I will remember about this, this, uh, this season. Uh, I was very proud of our city, very proud of our team, and very proud of the fans of the Buffalo Bills. And I don't want anybody to forget how difficult it was for our team to play as well as they did down the stretch. And to go out the way they did yesterday, okay. Uh, but on a deeper level, I think we've proven our team and our city to be something special. And that's something we can all be proud of. Yeah, and I would just add resolve to that. Uh, that's another thing that I think the city and the team showed a lot of through the course of all those setbacks and adversity, an awful lot of resolve. Um, we've got a, one more caller waiting patiently here that we want to get to, Jeff in Rochester. Jeff, what do you got for us here on One Bills Live? Hey, guys, how you doing? Good. I just want to make a statement, and then you guys can respond to it after. Sure. But I loved this season. It was great amazing regular season but once the playoffs started i just feel like on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball we got out coached in both of those games and what i would like to see moving forward is i hate to say anyone lose their job but i think we need a new offensive coordinator i think the defensive coordinator is fine even though von miller didn't really praise him at all which i found kind of weird but the offensive side of the ball why the, the 90s bills were so good is because of the K-gun. Up-tempo, don't let the defense sub, keep them running the whole time, get them tired. And a quarterback like Josh Allen, who could run all over, tire the shit out of the defense, wait till all those fat boys. All right. Sorry we had to uh, <laughs> let you go there. Because your language got a little out of control. Started to get um, a little too passionate there. That's right. Yeah, I get it. Um, I get it. I mean, that, uh, and that's the way some people are going to respond to this loss. Uh, and, and let's face it, um, you go back over the Bills' losses, and like we saw this season during the regular season, the Bills were their own worst enemy in a lot of cases. Um, they, you know, the, the fumbled away two game stoppers against Minnesota, uh, Miami game in the heat where they just, they just couldn't get the ball spotted to give themselves a chance to win that game. Uh, those kind of losses and in the playoffs, the 13 seconds last year where it seemed like a golden opportunity that was squandered. Uh, people are going to get angry over it. And it's hard not to draw parallels between one season and another, even though the teams are different. The coaches are the same. And I and listen, it's their responsibility that if they feel a way that there is a way to improve themselves as coaches or their coaching staff or their roster – Certainly the players are all up for improvement. If you can find better players, we all expect them to get better players. But if, if you're going to improve your coaching staff by switching coaches out, it's not as easy as switching out a player. 
And there's a lot of things that change if you're going to start tinkering with your coaching staff. And I'm not saying I'm afraid to make that change, but it's a very short list of guys I would talk to, and most of them are not available. Um, I, I, I got a lot of love and respect for, for Leslie Frazier. We've been here, I, he's been here as long as I have uh, since this last return to, to me doing the show. Um, he is a stellar human being. Um, I know that that's not a, a prerequisite for being a great coach, but it certainly helps. I'm not ready to cast a coaching staff that went 13-3 and to the wayside. And like I said earlier, it would waste the lessons this staff has learned over the hardship of the last couple of years because these new coaches you brought in, they're not going to have those lessons. They're not going to have learned how it is in the playoffs with this team and this group. So I don't want to waste the lessons by – throwing the people who have learned them off to the wayside. I'm not willing to do that. I know a lot of you are, and that's, that's cool. I get it. You're angry with them, but I, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. We have to take a break, but Steve and I will close it up next here on a Buffalo Football Monday. It's One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as we close out a Buffalo football Monday. Not an easy one. Uh, We've gone through these before. Nobody says that uh, losing before you get to the ultimate game is easy. We are here in the same place we were last season. I understand why that's frustrating. And I think the biggest reason why fans are as angry and disappointed as they are is because for the first time this season – the Bills didn't look like the team we saw all season. Even in the losses that this team incurred, Steve, earlier this year in the regular season, they were right in the game fighting tooth and nail every step of the way until the clock hit zero and even went to overtime in one particular case against Minnesota, and they were right there. This game, they weren't there from start to finish, and I think because they looked so different from the team that we had watched all season. I think that's what was so confounding for Bills fans. Sure. This is – it was um, – the reason it's hard to get your mind around is because it was such a different game than anything we've seen this team play in two years. I mean, you can make a case for, uh, what, it got to go back to November of last year when they got beat 47-15 to 15 by Indianapolis – Kind of the same thing. Indianapolis was mad at Buffalo for putting them out of the playoffs the year before. We have not seen this team lay an egg like this, and they did. Um, and they self-admittedly uh, own up to it. And that's that's the hard part about this loss. Plus, it's the last one of the season, and it's a season ender. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 to kind of take steps forward into the offseason. We'll have NBC's Peter King with us. We'll see you then.